Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So we're on a series here, and this series we're answering questions. So here's what, uh, here's what we're going to look at today. It, uh, this uh, is a sentence first. It says, I would like to know more about my part in receiving God's blessings. And then here's the question that came. What does God expect from me in order that I receive his blessings? And I think if we were all honest, a lot of Christians wonder about that. And even people that don't know Jesus as Lord, they would want to know, well, how can I receive God's blessings? So today we want to address this. So we want to just say, glad you asked, okay? How's that? Now, this, this, um, when, when this question came in, I thought about this, that when we talk about this, this is all about like how we approach God. And for everybody uh, in this room, it's really important that we understand how do we approach God? So I thought of something that happened to me um, even before I was married. My wife and I were both working for a large ministry in Tulsa, and I would, uh, that was back so long ago that we didn't have emails, you know, the days before email and uh, that kind of thing. And so we did inner office memos. Do we have anyone here from the inner office memo days? So I did inner office memo to my boss, and that was Pastor Hagen. And sometimes I didn't get favorable responses back. So I, I was, like, Patsy and I were on our way to be getting, to be married, so we were close. And I said, Patsy, you know, these, uh, I'm not getting real favorable responses back with these memos. And so she said, well, let me see what, you, what you're writing. And so she read the way I was writing, and she goes, that, that's not how you address somebody like that. That's not how you talk to somebody like that. Of course, you know, I grew up as a tradie with six brothers, and we were rough, you know, and we talked rough, and we were re- really direct and probably a lot of other things too. <laughs> and uh, so she said, let me show, I'm, so I had to write a memo, and she goes, let me read that, and, I'll, and she re- rewrote it. She rearranged my sentences and fixed it all up. And then I looked at it, and then what I did is I saw the principle on how to talk to somebody like that, and I I pulled the principle off of that, and I thought, I got that now. So from here on in, when I write, I know how to address somebody like that. So you see that I was approaching and addressing uh, him in a way that did not bring the response that I wanted. And so that's always good for us to know, you know, like there's a a book that's written long ago, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was written many years ago, and sometimes it's good to, to know how to do those kind of things. But now God, thank God that he's not like a person. So if we don't know how to approach God, he's not going to respond in an unfavorable way. He's not like our boss. Okay, so thank God for that. But if we do learn how to approach him, it's better for our prayer life. And that's what this question is about, this wanting a fruitful prayer life. So we're going to look into that today because it will help our prayer life, uh, all of ours. There's two things we're just going to look at. The requirements of our covenant. And then practical ways we approach God. So if you're, if you're not really into the Bible or, or you're not regular at church, it's important for you to know that the Bible is a thick book, 
And sometimes it seems overwhelming it's so big and has so much in it. But the Bible's separated into the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant was written before Jesus, and the New Covenant was written after Jesus. And that's an easy way to, uh, to divide the Bible, the Old and the New. So when we talk about the Old and the New Testament, uh, it's really important to know that in those two covenants or testaments, they, they approach, we approach God differently. So we want to first of all look at the requirements of our covenant. Like how do we approach God uh, today? In order to find out something, it's good to go back to yesterday and we'll get some clarity on how they approach God in the Old Covenant. So let's look at this scripture uh, in the Old Covenant to see what the Old Testament rules were for approaching God. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 9, it says, The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all your work all the work of your hand in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your cattle and in the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers. So what you notice here is you can see God always had a heart and a desire to bless humanity. And what he wants to do there uh, concerning prospering them in their work, the fruit of their womb, that's children uh, for those that have children, uh, cattle, uh, that's like today's cattle would be like finances. You know, they were mainly farmers in those days, but now God wants to bless high-tech people. Every kind of uh, profession you can think, God wants to bless everyone in all kind of ways. So that's a wonderful thing. Now, in the next verse, we see in the Old Covenant how they, what they had to do to be blessed. So uh, picking up there, it says, when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So what we notice here is God wants to bless you, but the blessing is dependent upon you doing everything right. So he said you have to obey the voice of the Lord your God, keep his commandments and statutes. Now let's look at something and do a comparison. Let's go to a New Testament scripture and look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. And that says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, look at this, who has blessed us. Uh, notice that's past tense, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The blessings that we see here in the new covenant after Jesus came, they are a result of a, of a person that accepts Jesus Christ as Lord, and we enter into the kingdom of God, and then by faith, by grace through faith, we can be blessed. Notice it's past tense. So here's what we can uh, say, just doing a really quick, without taking a lot of time, a little uh, understanding and explanation of this. Blessings under the law were earned by works. That's the Old Testament. Blessings under the new covenant were earned by Jesus, and we receive them by faith. A great difference there. Blessings under the law came after they were earned. Jesus has already earned our blessings we need only receive them. So it's really important. This, this has to do with how we approach God, understanding uh, when, when we talk about that, like what are, uh, you know, the point that we were looking at was the requirements of our covenant. What does God require 
uh, and how do we approach God? Well, that makes it pretty clear, but we're going to get it even more clear as we go. So let's move on to the second thing we want to look at today, and that's practical ways we approach God. So how can we break this down and make it really practical and, and easy? Okay, so uh, here's, here's a, something as I was preparing and meditating, the Lord gave me this sentence, and this sentence is this, our approach to God is based on the covenant we have with God. Okay, so for Christians, our approach to God should always be based with our new covenant. That's the way that we approach God. Uh, so with that in mind, it means that when we approach God, it is not according to the Old Testament requirements, but when, instead when we approach God, it is according to New Testament requirements. So get back to our question now. What does God expect from me in order that I receive his blessings? So there's four things, and we could even have more, but let's just talk about four things today. What would God expect from us so we can have answers to our prayer and receive his blessings? So here's the first one, just out of four things here. Number one, uh, we want to go to him boldly and often. You say, well, what does God expect? Well, you know, uh, contrary to what some people think, God actually wants us to go to him boldly, and he wants to, us to go to him often, all right? Now, that's, you know, why is that contrary? Well, there, there are people out there that they think God is a, a mean God, that God, you know, isn't for them, and that God is mad at them if they don't do everything just right, okay? And we're going to find out in the Scriptures that that's not, that's not the God we serve. Uh, so, God wants us to go to him boldly. Look at this. It says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. What does that mean practically? Well, Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he felt the weaknesses we feel. He was tempted with sin like we're tempted with sin. The only difference with Jesus is he is the only one that never yielded to that. He never sinned. So he overcame, and he, uh, he, he, uh, but he can relate to us, okay? He can relate to us. The fact that he didn't sin qualified him to be our high priest. So look at the next verse. In verse 16 it says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So there's a few things that really jump out there. The first thing is it says, so. So, like, I, like you see that word so. Why is the word so there? Well, it's, in, it's related to the verse before. It says, because we have a high priest that understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So then it says, so. Why is that connected like that? Here's why. God knows us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows we're not perfect. You know, he knows everything about us. And because of that, when it says so, it means God wants us to run to him and not from him. That's what it's saying there. Jesus knows mankind. He became one of us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be tempted with sin. And so when it says so, it means don't be afraid of God. Go to him. Then it says, so let us come boldly. When we go to God, the Bible's telling us that we should not go to him fearfully 
or run from him, but we should go to him boldly without any fear. That's what that's telling us right there. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. He's up on the throne. Jesus is at his right hand. And then notice that other word there, there. That just like really jumped out at me, there. And I thought about the word there. Why, why is that really important? Well, here's why. There's a lot of places that we can all go for help. I mean, you can go to a psychiatrist, you can go to marriage counselors, you can go to doctors, you can go to a lot of places for help. And they're all good places. They're all necessary places to have in society. But then there's this other place called there. And this place called there, it it, it says like when you have a problem or a situation or you need help, you can go boldly to this other place called there. And then, then it says there, that place we will receive his mercy. In other words, that is really a good place to go. An older minister uh, told this one time, he, uh, when he would counsel people, he noticed that he would just, you know, it was long ago, and it was, uh, and he, uh, it, it was a, a time that, like, there was just a lot of counseling going on. So he thought of this thing. He, he said, hey, when, when somebody came for counseling, he said, let's kneel down and let's pray together. And so they would start praying together, and sometimes they might pray for one hour. And then after they prayed, he, he kind of like, in a sense, I wouldn't say forced them to pray, but he made a good suggestion, let's pray. When they finished praying, he said, okay, and they sat down on the chairs. He said, now what did you come here for? And they said, well, what we came here for while we were praying, we got our answer. We, we don't need any counseling. God took care of it when we were in his presence and when we prayed. You know, it's that place called there. When you go there boldly, you know, and you can get answers and you can find help there. So it says there we will find his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So let's just talk about mercy and grace. You know, mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. And grace is God giving us something we do not deserve. So that, that is even more fuel to propel us to go to the throne room of grace boldly. And why is that? Because you know that God is going to give mercy. In other words, he's not going to give us what we deserve. And none of us deserve. You know, if you're sitting here and you think you deserve something, you need to maybe make an adjustment because <laughs> there's nobody, only Jesus was the only one that walked on the earth that would have deserved anything, and there isn't anyone else since Jesus did that. So we all should be thankful, and this is what could, knowing this helps us to go to him boldly because he's not going to give us what we deserve. That's what mercy is. In other words, uh, your mistakes and places that you fall and miss it, when you, you, God wants you to have boldness to run to him, and when you run to God, he's there to give you mercy, okay? We, we make a practice not running from him, but we make a practice running to him. Then secondly, then, grace is God giving us something we do not deserve. And that's what the Bible says, that we're saved by grace through faith. None of us deserve to be saved. So all of us that are a Christian in this room, we didn't deserve that. But not only are we saved by grace through faith, we are healed by grace through faith. So we cannot work for healing. Healing is by God's grace through faith. It's not something we work for. So uh, this is all important. We're talking about this question, what does God expect from me in order that I receive his blessings? 
All right, so let's keep that there and let's move on and see we can keep tying this together. The second thing is to go to him without boasting. So there's a connection here. See, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So when we go to him, we don't go boasting about anything. We don't say, I did all of this for you, and now I expect you to do this for me. Uh, that's not the way to approach God. Okay, uh, we, we, we don't go to him with everything we do. All right, and we'll look at it. Uh, let's look at this next verse, and we'll say a few more things. The next verse then says, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Uh, in other words, that even for us becoming a Christian, we can't say, well, Lord, thank you uh, because I was good. I helped, I helped people. I never hurt anyone. I did good things. So I, I believe I'm going to go to heaven. No, that's like your works, and the Bible says it's not a result of our works. No one can boast. So when we go to God, it's not based upon anything we do. Uh, now, this, this reminds me of this story that uh, there was a, a, a pastor, and he had two ladies in his church. And one of the ladies, uh, this is way back in the days when they had Sunday school, and so Sunday school usually happened at earlier and then they had the church service right after. So people went to Sunday school, then they went into the main auditorium for church. Well, this one lady, she was over the Sunday school education branch of this church. And then there was this other lady who was not real consistent with church attendance, and she wasn't consistent with serving. And these two ladies both had children around the same age. Now, when they, they, and you know, when children are younger, because their immune systems are developing, so sometimes you know, we know from our children, they might have a fever, various things like that, and you have to pray for them. So when these ladies, when their children got sick, they would both call for the pastor to come to their house. And it wasn't a real large church, so the senior pastor was able to go to their house to, to pray for their children. So when, when the senior pastor went to the lady that was over Sunday school, he would go and knock on the door, and there wouldn't be an answer, so he would knock on it again. And I, I, know, you know, I don't remember how many times he knocked, but finally the lady would show up, and then she would go, oh, it's you. And then she would say, you know, the, the kids are in the back room. It was kind of like that. And so there wasn't really any honor. There wasn't really any expectancy for the pastor. And, and the pastor would pray, and this lady's children, uh, they didn't get healed. Then this other lady would call, and when he went over to this house, uh, he would knock on the door, but no, he wouldn't I take that back. He didn't have to knock on the door because as soon as he walked up the steps on the porch, the door opened. The lady was looking out the window looking for him, and she said, oh, great, great to have you. And then she would take the pastor back to the room and said, the children are right here. She had an expectancy, and she honored the pastor. Her children were always healed. So the, this other lady then, she comes to the pastor, and she goes, I want to know why. And he said, why, what? I want to know why that that lady who she's not consistent and she's not like me and why are her kids getting healed and I do all of this stuff and I serve God and why aren't my kids getting healed? And the pastor said, well, one reason is probably because you are going to God thinking I deserve this. I do all of this and you should do this for me. And this other lady, she doesn't feel worthy. 
She's really humble. She doesn't feel like she deserves a thing. She just humbles herself and receives, and she, that's the main difference there. So what, what are we talking about here is when we go to God, we don't go to Him based upon what we do, and, and we don't boast about what we do because He's already provided everything. Okay, and somebody then might say, well, then, you know, what you're saying there, then why should I serve? Why should I be faithful? Why should I be consistently faithful? You know, and, and I'm glad you asked that question too. <laughs> so, in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, look at this, what this says here. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so what we see here in the New Testament is when we accept Jesus as Lord and become Christians, it says we're created. In other words, God's life comes on the inside of us and he creates us and puts a desire in us that we want to serve God. We want to follow him. We want to serve him. In other words, we are created to work and we are created to serve. So we're not doing it to get something. You saw in the Old Testament, if they served and did everything, then God would bless him. He already has blessed us, and he created us to want to serve him. To, it says that we should walk in these things. You know, you can walk in these works, like, lay, you know, go out and share Jesus with somebody, lay hands on somebody, uh, teach to children in children's church, uh, be an usher, work out in the parking lot, be on the worship team, uh, be an elder, and on and on and on. All of these different things that you can serve, we're created to have desires to do that, but that, is, that, that doesn't have anything to do with us being blessed. Okay, so, but here, here then, why do we serve? Well, here's some reasons. First of all, we serve because of the Great Commission. Uh, it says, he said unto them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So, uh, you know, God said, go into the world and do this. So we're serving because of that command. Uh, then we also serve because Jesus said to. That's a good reason. Uh, Luke chapter 22 and verse 26, he said, but not so with you, rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. So Jesus himself said to be a, le a servant leader. This is what he says. And then uh, the third reason we would serve is because we love people. And I love that one. Galatians 5 and verse 13 says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We're serving, and I know that our, our Rhema family church here, the people that serve here, they do it because they love people. We have a lot of love in this church. We have a lot of care in this church. We have, and, and we're, as we keep developing, we have connection points, people where they can connect, they can be cared for, they can be loved. We serve because we love. So that's why we do it. But so then, we'll, and so why is this important? You know, because when you go to God, even though you serve and even though you're consistent and all that, you don't go to him saying, I'm so consistent. And I, you know, because that's boasting, you know. You go to him and you say, thank you, by your grace I'm healed. Thank you, by grace I'm healed through faith. It's a free, it's free. All of the things that God does for free. Okay, and he does a lot. <laughs> he gives us a lot of free stuff. Freely you have received, freely give. Praise God. So, uh, then look at here, number three. The, go to him, we're talking the four things about going to him. The third thing is we go to him we're answering this question about 
how do we receive? We go to him knowing that he hears. That's big. Look at this scripture, 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So notice that, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So it's really important for Christians to know the will of God, because knowing the will of God means that you, when you pray, you have ammunition. So I, I, this, another story that I heard that um, years ago, somebody prayed, and they said, I'm going to pray for you that God gives you something like five oil wells in your backyard in Texas, you know. I don't think anyone in, in Australia would pray a prayer like that. But these Texans don't. No, just, just, just joking. Take that off the tape, please. <laughs> but no, so, so this person said, I'm going to pray that you have five, that God gives you five oil wells. And so the person that he told that to said, where is it in the Bible that, you know, that that can happen? Show me a scripture. Where can you find God's will about me having five oil wells in my backyard? In other words, like, if you're going to pray for me, like, find the promises of God and what the promises say, and then pray for me according to the promises of God. So that's really when it, with that saying, it says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's very beneficial to know his will, because if we pray according to his will, he hears us. So as an example, this really sounds humble, but if you have sickness or pain in your body, and you go to him and say, Lord, I'm sick, but and if it's your will, heal me. Well, if you really are a student of the Bible, you'll see that it says, by his stripes, you are healed. It's past tense. In other words, Jesus took stripes on his back, and he already paid for our healing, so we should not wonder if it's God's will or not. But if we don't know the Bible, then when we pray, we want God to hear us. So if you know what the Bible says, you go to God, and you don't say, if it's your will, heal me. Say, Father, thank you. In, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, it says that you took stripes on your back, and you took my sickness. My sickness was put on you. And then over in 1 Peter 2, 24 in the New Testament, it, it says, by your stripes, by his stripes we are healed. I thank you, Father God, that you already put sickness on your son Jesus, and I receive healing from you. See, that's a lot different than saying, if it's your will. So he hears us uh, when we pray according to his will. It's really good. So, uh, you know, we say as Christians, like when the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together, you know, why do we want to assemble together? Is it, you know, for numbers? What's the reason? Well, I think the main reason we assemble together, first of all, is to sit under God's word. And then secondly, is the fellowship with one another. It's not about numbers. It's about sitting under the word because you find out what God's will is. And then when you, you're more effective in everything you do, knowing the will of God, especially your prayer life. Okay. And then the last thing that we want to look at then, number four, that we said four things, and that's this, uh, that we go to him knowing that he gives. And you see that in the next verse, 1 John 5 and verse 15, it says, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So if, if you notice there that, first of all, he hears us again, but then it says whatever we ask, look at this, it says we know that we have the request. So we want to know that he hears, but then we want to know that he gives so, so somebody once said, every uh, successful prayer should end with the phrase, it's mine, I have it now. 
Now, there's one kind of prayer, the prayer of dedication and consecration, where you dedicate yourself to the Lord and consecrate yourself and you seek Him for His will. You can't say that for that prayer. And the reason is, is because sometimes it takes days, weeks, and months to pray out the will of God for your life. And you, you can't say, well, I have it now, because if He doesn't want to tell you what, what He wants you to do, you have to wait. <laughs> so that's, there's different kinds of prayer. But if we pray for healing, the Bible says, by His stripes you're healed. It's past tense. So when we pray for healing, we can say, it's mine, I have it now, because the Bible says it's already ours. You understand? So there's different rules with different prayers, okay? So then, uh, just answering the question, you know, I trust that who, you know, this is clear, uh, just going back to that question one more time so I can read it, what does God expect from me in order that I receive his blessings? So just to summarize what we said today, uh, we, we said these things today. The first thing is, know the requirements of the new covenant, all right? So when you, when you go to pray, you want to know the requirements of the new covenant. You know, how do you approach God? Uh, do it the New Testament way with those requirements, and, and it's a wonderful way. It's not based upon your works and your performance. It's based upon the performance of Jesus. Secondly, what we said today is that when we go to God, we can go boldly and we can go often. And as Christians, we should develop habit. You know, there's bad habits and there's good habits. There's some good habits that we can develop. And a good habit is run to God all the time. Run to God all the time. Always run to God. You know, we keep saying that here. Never be afraid of God, but always run to God. I know I, I belabor that fact because as soon as you become afraid of God and run away, there's no one else that can help you. He's the only one. He's our, Jesus is our Savior. There's no one else that can save us. There's no one else that can do what He can do for us. So we run to Him all the time. So you might say, well, what if somebody kills somebody, does something really bad and kills a person? That person is, if that person is a Christian and they kill somebody, they should run to God. They need to get forgiveness quick. God will forgive the worst stuff. When Jesus was on the cross, there were two people on either side of him. That guy got saved and was in paradise right before he died. Didn't matter how bad, something like what he did. Run to God boldly, run to God often. And then, then we, we go to him without boasting. When we come into his presence, how do we approach him? Humbly and not based upon our works but based upon the work of Jesus, boasting about Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you took my sickness and disease on you. You took stripes on your back. Sickness was put on you for me. You took my pains. I thank you. I, I've got pain in my body, but according to your word, uh, you took my pain, so I receive healing. I thank you that you took my pains. Uh, you know, that, that's, we go to him like that. And then we go to him knowing that he hears. God is so awesome. Think about how many people, how many billions of people are on the earth, and God, he knows how many hairs everyone has. Every person on the earth, God can count the hairs on their head. I don't know if we, you know, think about just that one thing, that he can do that. He's like so all-knowing and so awesome. But then not only that, 
how many millions of Christians are on the earth, and if they all prayed at the same time, God hears each prayer, and he can deal with each person. I mean, he is like majorly awesome. Majorly. Wow. So he hears us. He's not too busy. The Bible says God never sleeps and he never slumbers. He's never, he never goes to sleep. Now we sleep, but, you know, he doesn't sleep. So, you know, there's people all around the world and there's all these different time zones. And no matter what time zone they are, no matter when they pray, God's always awake. The Bible says God never changes. He changes not. He's always the same. You know, he's not happy one day and mad the next day. Always the same. And then you go to him knowing that he gives. You know, he doesn't like put a carrot in front of us like we would do like a rabbit and entice the rabbit and just like do that. No, he said, if you come to me and you pray according to my will, then you know the petitions that you pray for, you know you're going to have them. Okay, so today um, as the worship team comes, I trust that that question that you have some understanding, better understanding on how to pray and approach God. Father, I thank you for everyone uh, in this room today, Lord, and it's such a privilege to be in your presence, to be in the house of God uh, where we can worship you, where we can hear your word. Father, before we dismiss today, we want to really be sure uh, that each person in this auditorium knows Jesus as their Savior, that they know if they would die that they would end up in heaven for eternity, the best place to be, streets of gold, uh, wonderful place for eternity. Father, thank you uh, that you speak to anyone in this room uh, that would not be sure that they would go to heaven if they died. Father, let them know there is a heaven to gain, there is a hell to lose, and heaven is the best place, Father. If you just make it so clear to anyone sitting in this room, Father, today, that they would understand that Jesus is the Son of God and he came to earth to be our substitute, to become sin, to shed his holy blood, to go to hell in our place so that we could be saved, we could be cleansed of our sins, and we could go to heaven. I thank you for making that known to each person in this building today that needs to know that. Thank you, Father God, for your sweet presence and your Holy Spirit that right now that you're speaking to people, you're just uh, pouring your love out on them. Thank you for that. Thank you for speaking to them and letting them know these things. I'd like to invite uh, everyone to close their eyes and we want to give an opportunity before we dismiss today if, uh, if you're with us today and you say, well, Pastor Tony, I, I'm not sure if I'll go to heaven. I'm not, I, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. We want to pray with you today. We want to say a prayer. And it's your opportunity to pray this so you can know Jesus. You know you go to heaven. So if, with our eyes closed, and we do that so we can pray from our heart and concentrate, we're going to pray this together as a congregation, our church family. And if you're with us today, you have an opportunity to close your eyes with us, pray this from your heart, and, uh, and you can then be, know that you'll go to heaven and you'll know that Jesus is your Savior. So let's pray this right now. You can, let's say this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving mankind. 
You created us, and so you love us. Thank you for sending Jesus to redeem us, to save us. Heavenly Father, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, I believe you are Lord. Jesus, you are my Lord. I, I receive you as Lord. You are welcome in my heart. I turn from everything else and I turn to you. You're welcome in my heart. Thank you for loving me, Jesus, because you first loved me. I now love you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.